want to talk about trust. I got to um, I got to spend. I think most of you guys know. I know we have some guests in the room, but um, I got to spend some some time this weekend at a training. And uh, two days a week, I go down to Bethel, and I've been Mondays and Wednesdays. Uh, I'm down at Bethel and working for Bethel Global Response, which is their disaster relief program. So we um, do all kinds of things. We respond to hurricanes and fires and uh, earthquakes and basically any kind of disaster all over the world. If we feel like um, our training and skills are needed, then we send teams to do that. We responded to to the shooting in Las Vegas, um, which is a totally different kind of disaster, um, meaning not natural disaster. But um, anyway, we what we do is we have these these two trainings we do. We do core one and two training, which actually Denise took. Where are you, Denise? You're in here somewhere. There you are. Uh, which Denise took our last uh, core one and two training, and then we do core three, which is the the, the next level. And, uh, anyway, we had a core one and two training um, for first year on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And we have this amazing group of volunteers. My job is actually volunteer coordinator. So all the volunteers that come in, I get to be in charge of them, which is uh, fun. But it was especially fun, and I really mean that. It was especially fun this over these last three days um, because we were just surrounded by just the most amazing volunteers. Um, Bethel is just kind of a really neat people, a really neat, a really neat place because of the people that come from literally all over the world. If you haven't seen our map that's in the hallway, we ask the students that come, just the just the ministry school students that come to the course, um, to actually pin the map where they're from. I think there's a couple pins that floated around due to some kids doing some things, but um, but anyway, most for the most part, those pins represent. Um, all these people from all over the world that have come to Bethel and, and because of that have come to Weaverville. And so we get to kind of see what we get to do in our influence and through our program and through that little uh, challenge course out there, and, which is just an amazing privilege. Well, we get to uh, we get to invite some of those people. Or they're all invited, but, but some of those people kind of take up this challenge and, and have this thing in their heart to be part of Bethel Global Response. And um, I was I was sitting there. We do all kinds of fun things, but one of the things we do, if you haven't seen it actually, and you're uh, on Facebook, I did a I did my first Facebook Live video. Did any of you guys see it? You did. It was weird. I've never done that before, but it was fun. I actually enjoyed it. And we were doing a distribution, which it's a long training. I'm not gonna. Basically, we're handing things out. Um, but it was it was a mock distribution. It was it was pretend. But the idea is that, that we train people. The distributions are actually one of the most dangerous things that we do, because you have something that people, uh, especially in some places, feel like if they don't get what you have, it's going to cost them their life, and you would risk pretty much anything to get what someone has if you believe it's going to save your life. So um, distributions is actually one of the most dangerous things that in disaster relief. Handing out things. So anyway, we're practicing that, and, and um, all of our volunteers are doing all these different stations. People kind of work their way through this distribution, and 
we just have these amazing volunteers. We have, we have like set up things where they're acting. And so we have people like trying to get in line without a ticket or, um, you know, sneak in the back door or things like that. Actually, Hadmi and Jonathan, I invited them to come down and, and volunteer and do that. So they had both two different places, right? You guys were acting as um, desperate people trying to get something that they needed, but not in the way that they were supposed to. And so, actually, I think Jonathan is on the video uh, getting escorted out by security. And, uh, um, yeah, so there's this whole interaction. It looks quite serious on the video, but I, didn't, I think I explained it that, like, it's just a training. This isn't real. Because Jonathan's getting kicked out of I was like, well, that seems a little harsh. But Anyway, we're surrounded by these amazing volunteers and amazing people. And um, in the course of this, this process over the last three days, I got to sit with our volunteers a lot and hear their stories, where they've come from and the things that they've done with the Lord. And this one guy in particular, um, his name's Kirk. He, um, I just sat and listened to him. Actually, there's a whole bunch of them. I wish I could just tell you all of them, but some of them you guys have, some have met. They actually came up here after we got back from one of our deployments to uh, when we went to Hurricane Harvey. But just amazing people doing amazing things. And some of the things that these these people from all over the world have done with the Lord, I got to thinking how much God must trust this person. Specifically when I was talking to Kirk, he's done um, all kinds of water projects in Africa and just all kinds of really neat things. And um, the favor, as he's telling stories, the favor on his life is really evident. You know, like if, if you can picture... Um, somebody you guys all know actually would be like Tracy. We hear these stories that like Tracy finds herself in these amazing places that sometimes we wouldn't want to be in, but then we're like, oh, I want a testimony like that. You know that balance? Where you're like, oh, I don't know if I would want to go through, but that's pretty amazing. And I found myself thinking through this this idea, and it brought up kind of a, a, a bit of a message that I've preached a long time ago and actually made me kind of dig back in and find like I remember teaching something like that but it was that there's this relationship with God that we're called into where he where God trusts us where God actually trusts us to be ambassadors of hope and joy and essentially the gospel and I started thinking through like I know that there's a strong push in the church to, we all know that part of being a believer is to trust God. We, um, oops, sorry. Um, yeah, Proverbs 3 5. Just trust in the Lord with all your heart, heart and lean not on your own understanding. It's not a foreign concept that we, you gotta trust God, right? You're in, you're in a, tricky situation we were singing about it literally singing about it this morning of of i'm believing that you know faith is basically this trust in god and believing that you'll do it again god believing in that when i need something you're there so this 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 idea of trusting god is not a foreign idea in the church but um there's something to the fact that there's actually an invitation or a relationship available that god actually trusts you Now, what's amazing about this, just like the other way around, you can actually be a believer and not fully trust God, right? We can trust that part or 
this story or that testimony. But in this situation or this application, we can we can back away from our trust in the Lord and actually begin to lean on our own understanding. And it works the same in the other. And I want to I want to look through scripture. We're going to I'm going to give you a whole bunch of scripture and a bunch of stories in scripture that look at people that had these encounters that that because God trusted them. And they positioned themselves in a way that brought favor on their lives, not just because of something they did, but that it that we see we're going to see this kind of this um, thread through scripture that ties all these people that were trusted by God together. Because how many of you guys know, like I, we like I said, we're called to trust God, but um, and we're growing in that and learning that. But how many of you guys, when you think about it, thought, man, I would love to be trusted by God. And when I, when I listened to, you know, Tracy tell testimonies or when I was listening this weekend to, to Kirk talk about the things that God, the things that God did for him. In the simplest way of saying it, I understand it's not for him. It's for the love of people, but really for him, too. I think, man, how much does God trust this man? How much does God trust this, this woman? That's amazing. How does that happen? First uh, Corinthians four one. It says men ought to regard us as servants of Christ and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. And I'll just kind of start off by saying, can can you be trusted with the secret things of God? I don't know. I don't know if I always can be. I know I want to be. I, I know I want to and can kind of picture like, man, that would be it, that God saying, oh, there's a guy I can trust. What we see in Scripture we're going to look at is that God just puts his finger and his favor on individuals, not because they were the only choice. They were just the choice. And I wonder when God wants to do things, I, I don't know how he does it, but we know that he does. He picks people that he trusts. He picks people that his favor rests. And how many of you guys know God has more things to do on the planet? He's not done. He's got more things to do. And just the, generally the way that God does things, He needs people. And we know He doesn't need people, but He chooses to need people. He chooses to use people. He chooses to have this relationship through Jesus that He, that he actually entrusts us with secrets. Are you guys with me? Are you alive? First um, Thessalonians two four says we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please men, but God, who tests our hearts. We just need to understand that that this is a, re- a relationship that's available. If we're gonna if we're gonna get anything out of this message, we at least have to understand that. That that's a possibility. That I can grow in favor and trust with the Lord. Fenton mentioned something this morning about freedom. And that um, 
we're not as free as we can be or that we we're going to be. The idea being that that there's always more freedom. And I'll and <clears throat> excuse me, and I'll tell you that there's always more trust, there's always more favor. I want to be trustworthy to God. Ephesians 4.1 says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. I read that and I'm inspired by it. But I also want to say that the unwritten is that you actually can live a life unworthy of the calling that you received. It doesn't mean that you don't have a calling. It means you're just living a life unworthy of it. That there's actually a life, that there's actually actions, that there's a process that actually attracts the favor of God on your life. Are you guys all right? Are you with me? Okay. <laughs> all right, so let's look at some examples. We're going to start kind of in the, in the, in the Old Testament. Um, but we're going to just look at these people that were obviously trusted by God. They were entrusted with the secrets of the kingdom, of the secrets with, of, of God's business, so to speak. Um, Samuel. It says in First uh, Samuel three, the Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. Another version says that he made everything Samuel said come true. That's pretty. That's a lot of favor. That's a lot of trust. Anytime I read something like that, I think Samuel was just a man. He was just a guy. This is even before the Holy Spirit. <laughs> before, not before the Holy Spirit. Before the Holy Spirit got to exist in us as cleansed by the blood of Jesus. So we'll say it like that. The Holy Spirit existed and has. Does that make sense? I won't misquote me on Facebook or something. Um, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. That's an attentive man right there. It's amazing level of trust. So how did this happen? When did this happen? Now there's a story um, as you read on. Actually, no. As you read back. On? No, back. Where God, where God actually calls Samuel, actually has this encounter with the Lord. And he calls to Samuel and Samuel, eventually, they make this connection. Um... And I want to read to you, starting in verse 10, it says, The Lord came and stood there calling, as at the other times, this is it's the third time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. There's a posture in which Samuel positioned himself that when the Lord showed up, he was ready to hear what the Lord had to say. Is a key to favor. It's a key to trust. Verse 11, it says, And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out... Uh, I'm sorry, I lost myself. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from the beginning to the end. For I told him that I would judge his family before forever because of the sin he knew about his sons made themselves um, contemptible and he failed to restrain them therefore 
I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice and offering. Now, that's a pretty harsh verse. That's a whole other thing on parenting that we're not going to teach on today. The point I want to make is when there's, a, when there's an encounter, when Samuel has an encounter with God, it's just amazing. He, God entrusts him with his plan. He tells him, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you about what I'm thinking. I'm going to tell you what my plan is. I'm going to tell you I'm going to shift things and change things and do things. And because I trust you, I actually have a place for you in what I'm doing. Think about Noah. God literally trusted Noah in the physical to do something that would save the world. Right? Now I'm assuming, we can assume that God knew that he would do a good job. But he still trusted him with it. How many of you guys know God can probably build a better boat than Noah? But he trusted Noah to follow this plan. He trusted Noah. He said, listen, this is going to happen. I'm going to do this. And I want you to do something. And we're, going to, we're actually going to do this together. This is going to happen. And I want you to be part of my plan. I'm entrusting you with my plan. Pretty amazing. Think about Abraham. Similar situation. Daniel. Moses, Joshua. You go on and on and on through Scripture. All these amazing people that God came and said, listen, I've got a plan. There was an encounter. And in that encounter, God says, look at my plan. Here's my plan. I trust you with my plan. Mary, we're getting into the New Testament. There's... I mean, you can go through it, but I'm just kind of... Mary, what happened with Mary? This young girl. Possibly God's greatest plan ever. Why Mary? Why Mary? I have no idea. The fact is, is that God trusted her. There was an encounter. And then, uh, you can read it in a couple different places, but in... Luke 30, the angel of the Lord lays out a plan. This is my plan to save the world. And I want you to be part of it. This is your part. I don't know if I'm doing something that is... Let's try not to move. Yeah, that'll happen. How about Peter? You know, classic, uh, it's funny, Peter was famous for lots of things, but one of the things he's famous for, or maybe most famous for, is screwing up. <laughs> even, as, even in like the most amazing, greatest success of like miraculous, supernatural amazingness of walking on water, he's still famous for failing. Man, Peter, that was almost awesome. You'd think Jesus was there. But right, Peter has this encounter. And in this encounter, 
as they're sitting around a, a fire. And Jesus, when Peter, Peter has this encounter with Jesus, and Jesus says, um, Peter, you're a rock. On this rock I'll build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. This plan that Jesus had, chosen to reveal to someone that he decided was trustworthy of the plan. I'm going to tell you something that's in my heart. I'm going to give you a plan. He could have chose anybody. He could have Facebook-lived it. Just tell everybody. The more people that know, the better. How about Paul? Kind of a crazy story. Right? Paul's on his way to round up some Christians and persecute him, arrest him, do whatever he does, kill him possibly. And God literally encounters him so hard, he knocks him to the ground and blinds him. And at the same time, or similar time, he's encountering another man, Ananias, in a town nearby. He's telling him, hey, guess what? You're going to do the scariest thing you've ever done. If you can picture, I was trying to think of what would be like an equivalent to this to this being entrusted with this plan. It would be like you're going to go to the to the head of Al-Qaeda or whatever, and I'm actually going to tell you where he is because nobody knows where he is. He's hiding out. I'm going to tell you where he is. I'm going to tell you who he is, even though you've heard about him. And you're going to lay your hands on him. He's going to get healed. And then he's going to become one of the greatest ambassadors of faith ever. So go. And Ananias is like, I don't have my passport. I can't go. <laughs> That's essentially what it's like. I want you to go in, into the lion's den, like the most dangerous place on earth right now for, for believers. That's where you're going. And not only just into the region or the place, you're actually going to the guy. You're going to the one guy that's actually promoting and has the power and authority in that region to, to kill you, persecute you, shame you. Because, why? I trust you and I've got a plan. I trust you and I've got a plan. Amazing. So anyway, that all happens and goes down. Um, I think the evidence of his trust is the fruit of knowing his plan. The evidence that God trusts you is how much of his plan he reveals to you. How many of you guys would actually like to know more about his plan for your life? I, I'm not, I know I would. I'm in that place where I'm like, God, plan would be awesome. Or maybe more of a plan would be awesome. Let alone like, God, what's your plan for my region? God, what's your plan for my, for my state? What's your plan for my country and my continent? What's your plan for the world? Listen, we actually have world influence represented on that little map in the hallway. We have to ask ourselves, God, what is your plan for the world? What, what is it that we are that you're you're preparing us for? What are you what are you inviting us into? Because it sure looks like you trust us a lot, and with your trust, we see through Scripture comes a plan. What is your plan? I need an encounter. 
with the planner. I need an, I need an encounter with, with the one that has the plan. You guys with me? Mark 16.20 says, Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed His word by the signs that accompanied it. Matthew 25 is the parable of the talents. And, and essentially, I'll just you can read it it's in Scripture a couple different ways and a couple different times. But essentially, um, the kingdom, teaching about, Jesus teaching about the kingdom talks about the master who gives um, you know amounts of money different amounts of money to his servants or to the people that work for him and they and then he leaves town he gives them care over a portion and then he leaves town and then when he returns he checks in on the care that they've taken with what he has entrusted them with and there's basically three different scenarios two which are very similar um, which they took what they were entrusted with and they acted upon it. They did something with it and it multiplied. And then there's one scenario, those two of them are, are that, and there's one scenario where the person actually took what they were entrusted with and hid it. Kept it. They had a value for it as a plan or as, a, as, as what it carried, but not what it could reproduce. And so the, this this person in the in the story, they took what they've been given and they and they protected it or they hid it away. And when the master came back, they said, "Look, I got it. I still have it. I didn't lose it. I didn't risk anything." And so here it is. And because of that, what they had was taken away. They lost their privilege to be trusted. They said, "Guess what? You're not trusted anymore." And so you actually don't get that thing. That is, that is that which I would reproduce, that which I want to work. It's an amazing story, multiple times, tons of teachings on it. The point that I'm trying to make is that God, just because everybody's not entrusted with the same amount, I'll tell you that, we all know that, we can see it. We don't know exactly how it works, but we know it's true. And so really what I'm talking to you personally about is what have you been trusted with? Because all of us that have had any measure of encounter with God, even if it's our own creation, have been entrusted with something. We have been trusted, entrusted with something. And I'll tell you, the more that you take care of what you've been entrusted with, the more the friendship and the trust grows in your life. God has trusted you with something, even if it's another individual if it's another person I'll tell you what being a parent is to be trusted by God it's delayed it's a delayed thing out of my control we've been trusted with a plan Even if it's just scripture. <laughs> just scripture. Am I faithful with little? If my plan is to be faithful with more, am I faithful with little? 
One of the things that we see in, down through Scripture is that there's an encounter with God that reveals a plan. And I want to I want to say two things. For one, I the end of my my notes I was I was talking about you know pursuing encounters, which is tr- absolutely true, and encountering God every day and honoring the presence, but. Um, I felt a check in my spirit this morning actually when I was going over my notes and I was kind of planning kind of how I wanted to end and kind of inviting encounters and committing to encounter, praying for, you know. And I felt like um, like the Lord said, um, be careful because if you're having an encounter to get a plan, but you've already had an encounter and got a plan, this might not be annoying you guys, but it's driving me crazy. All right. If you, uh, if you encourage people to keep pressing into encounters, now I'm not talking about encounters just to hang out with the Lord because that is 100%. Like we got to understand, like hear this in that context that spending time with the Lord is never a bad idea. But in the context of what I'm talking about, that that God actually encounters and reveals plans, be careful that you go to him and ask for a plan when he's already given you one. And, and, And be careful that we're not coming back. And I was getting this conviction kind of for myself, and I'm just sharing it with you, that I'm like, oh, God, I want a plan. And God's like, dude, I've given you like five plans. And they're sitting in a stack of papers on the desk. Like, go through the plans I've already given you. Like just because you got tired of it or you got worn out or you got distracted or you don't just get to come and get another plan. I appreciate you showing up and there's always room here in the presence. But you don't get another plan. You've got plans. And so I, there's there's kind of two places that we can be in this and, and only you and the Lord can can do this. And thankfully, he's so gracious and kind that. That he doesn't get annoyed with us when we come back to him, but, but uh, I would say that if if to get with the Lord, have an encounter to bring those plans back to life, that God's spoken to you, even, no matter how small they are, the one talent, the one thing, the 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 little plan, if that's that's you, and it's only the Holy Spirit that's going to kind of bring that conviction to your life, that like, wow, God, I. You did give me a plan. You did give me some things. You did entrust me with some stuff that I actually kind of let rest or I've just kept it in my pocket or just like the story, I buried it in the ground to just like, uh, I don't know, I'll just keep it and it'll be there. So there's that part that I that I want to invite you to actually allow the Holy Spirit to revive plans, to revive his plans for you and this entrusting that he did to you sometime before. And then secondly, if you feel like, man, I've never actually had that encounter. I've never had that encounter where God has revealed something to me that feels like his heart and his plan and his business, so to speak. Small or otherwise. I don't feel like I've ever had that. Then I want to I invite you into that also. Because God trusts everyone a little bit. And that little bit is where we start. And the people that 
I got to experience in this in this training we were doing, these volunteers, these people from all different places and walks of life and stuff, I was overwhelmed by how much God trusts them, but equally humbled by their faithfulness. You know, one of the things that humbles me most about Tracy when she's here is not her amazing testimonies, because I know God's amazing. It's her amazing faithfulness, which belongs to her. It's actually her faithfulness. It's her faithfulness to God, but it's hers. It's her choice. It's her action. It's her commitment. That is humbling. And so in those two ways, we're going to wrap up in that way. And um, Yeah, I believe God's going to do those, those, both those things um, through just encounters and, and whether they happen now or over a series of kind of in, encounters. That he's positioning us to experience the fruit of, of his friendship. I'll say that again. He he's also preparing. He's preparing us to experience the fruit of his friendship. You guys, you know, you've had had friends before that have cool stuff. <laughs> Maybe you need new friends. Um. But it's fun to have friends that have cool stuff. Like, you know, if you got a friend that has a motorcycle or a boat or, you know, like, there's actually a benefit. Hopefully that's not the reason why they're your friend. Like, that guy's in a nice boat. I'm going to be his friend. But there's a benefit of being friends with people that have cool stuff. And hopefully there's a benefit of being friends with you, too. But those are just they're part of that's just part of being friends. Sometimes it's just cool stuff they know. Like, hey, I know this cool trail with this amazing view. Cool. I get to see it and experience it because we're friends. I know this cool waterfall I gotta take you and see. It's amazing. Swimming hole, whatever. Right? There's benefits of friendship that are not bad, they're good. How great of benefits are there to being friends? with the creator of the universe. The benefit, one of the benefits, is the plan. The plan for the world that he loves. To get in that quiet place, to have that encounter where he says, listen, this is what I'm going to do with Weaverville. This is what I'm going to do with California. This is what I'm going to do with the country or that place or that region, that person. Or when driving down the street and you see somebody, hey, let me tell you about them. I actually have a plan for them. I keep talking to them, but they won't listen. Would you mind going and talking to them for me? Because i got a plan for them. God, we're friends and I get to know your plan. That's amazing. That's what happens when you take that thing that he entrusts you with and you don't use it. 
You're like, oh, I appreciate that, God, but I got a, I got an appointment. Or whatever. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not the, it's not, no shame in it. It's just, we want to grow in trust and favor with the Lord. And I don't want to put a formula on it because it just doesn't, God never works that way. But the fact is, is that what you, what he entrusts you with as you care for what he cares about, he gives you more. He entrusts you with more. And I so hunger for his plan. For me, for the people around me, for the people I care about, for this church, for, like, I'm just, I just hunger for it. But he convicted me this morning about, man, there's things, there's plans I've given you that you haven't walked out yet. And you know, sometimes he gives you a plan, you wait too long, and he gives it to someone else. And you're like, oh, dang, I missed it. Darn it. I won't miss it again, you know? Would you guys stand with me? That's not me. It's funny, we figured that out one day, if you ever are curious. It's static. It's a static. Um, when you stand up, the static shock from the chairs does that. Anyway. Yeah. Thank you. Stop rubbing your bottoms on the chairs. <laughs> no matter where you're at, whether you are um, in a place where God needs to revive old plans that he's given you, old stuff that he's given you, or whether God needs a new plan, the answer is the same, and that's his presence. The answer is the same. It's his presence. Whether he needs to remind you or give you something fresh and new. It's, it's, a, it's an encounter with His presence. So put your, if, if, you, if you're comfortable, put your hands out in front of you. and We're just going to invite Him. He's here. We invite Him for our sake. <laughs> to get our mind and heart in the right spot. But Lord, we just invite you to visit us. In a fresh way. Visit us in our dreams. Visit us in our thought life. We give you room. Holy Spirit, we give you room to dream with us. Speak directly into our hearts. We open our ears. We open our mind's eye for you to show us pictures of what you have. To show us your plan for the people around us, for the region that we're in for the things that you love to show us your plan to love and to reach the world to revive old plans that you've laid in our hearts old things that you love and that you're passionate about Lord we we first repent for for setting them down if we have and forgetting them if we have but Lord revive them we give you permission to breathe new life back into to old dreams and old plans. Dust them off and bring them back to life. And we just invite new opportunities to see the world the way you do, to see people the way you do, to see situations and circumstances the way that you do as opportunities to reveal 
your goodness, your glory, and your love. We thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen.